Welcome to another episode of Consider This. I'm here in the studio. I'm Drew Moss, and, and with me today is Jim Johnson, along with Scott Irwin, our college minister, and Zane Sutherland, our children's minister. Today we're going to be talking about the issue of baptism just a little bit. If, if you go to Sunnybrook very long at all, then you'll, you'll probably notice pretty quickly that baptism is, is a fairly big deal to us, that on a pretty regularly, uh, regular basis, uh, there are people getting baptized in the middle of our service. And, and if you ever actually hang around after the service, increasingly we're, we're having more people who are getting baptized kind of directly after the service so that uh, friends and family can kind of come up onto the stage right next to them and, and kind of be a part of that event together. So there's a lot of that going on. You'll probably also notice, A, that there have never been uh, infants baptized at our church, and B, that there are a number of adults who have been a part of our church for a long time and would have considered their, have kind of grown up in church, um, lived the Christian life, their life, uh, their whole life, and are just now getting baptized. And so you, you may be wondering, wh- why is that? Why are there so many baptisms? Why are adults getting baptized so late? Why are we seeing a lot of that? And so we want to spend a little time talking about that here today. Uh, first of all, I want to kind of ask this question to you guys. Why do we as Sunnybrook place such an emphasis on baptism? Like, why do we view it as, as so important? And you can maybe couple onto that, like, um, kind of probably the bigger question people are wondering is, do we believe that baptism is essential for a person to be saved? Does a person have to be baptized to be a Christian? Let me take a small piece on that. Sure. Um, I, th- I think someone could, um, I think rightly wonder or maybe even accuse us of being um, very interested in the act of immersion um, as as the the way in which we believe a person comes to faith. And definitely looking back our history uh, in terms of being associated with a group of churches known as the Restoration mm-hmm. Movement, um, you know, why do we see so many baptisms? It's because going back, our history has been, our tradition has been, one that looked at the pages of the New Testament and tried to follow them as, uh, I don't want to say literally, but as probably as naturally yeah. as they could have. And so, Specifically, we would say like Acts being a yeah. big, what, watching the way the early church did it in yes. the book of Acts. Yes, I mean, yeah. we are kind of our, uh, the good and the bad of it is that uh, traditionally we have looked at the book of Acts and said, let's create a church that looks like that. Since we're using that book, let's create a church that looks like that. And so um, in the book of Acts, we, you see people come to faith and then are baptized. You see conversations about coming to faith and then baptism being closely associated with that. And yeah. for that reason, it has been our, our history or our tradition that baptism is part of the salvation process. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. So when we, when we look at the New Testament, baptism seems to be important to, to the early church and seems to be... Uh, pretty closely tied. Anytime when we see people becoming Christians, that seems to be a big part of that, that that seems to be a natural part, to use your word, of the process. Yeah. Um, so so let me kind of turn over here to you guys, Scott, Zane, like, what would you say to, to what level of importance do we put that? Was it just something that they just did a lot back then? And so that's why we do it? Or or like, why do we seem to, to put such a great level of importance around this? Actually, I think it's a really good question. I had a recently a, a guy email me and another guy on staff and asking about this, and um, he wasn't. He was asking basically the same question: Can a person who isn't baptized be saved? Um, and he, his exact words were, "Be let into heaven." Um, so, 
so we, we, we went back and forth and he clearly was trying to test me and see what I believed. And, and then when I kind of unfolded my cards and said, I, I believe baptism is a big deal and seems to be, um, there's no examples of anyone accepting Christ, not getting baptized. What he came back with was all these verses in acts that said, and many believed, and there was no mention of baptism. And so, so I had to kind of go, okay, we have to go back and go, what do we mean when we say there, there aren't really examples of someone accepting Christ without getting baptized? Because there are several verses in Acts that say, that indicate, you know, when the gospel is preached and many believed, you know, Paul was in a synagogue or Paul was in, in, in Greece or whatever, mm. and many believed. And we go, well, you and I go, well, yeah, because of the precedent set, we assume that baptism was a part of that. We also assume repentance and confession. And we assume that like when that, when it says they believed, like it goes back to Jesus's command in scripture to go and baptize it goes to yeah you know there's Peter's a host command. when we see the word believe there's yes. a host of things that go along with yes. that including repentance and confessing allegiance to jesus yes. and bab- yeah all this so, so we we assume we believe that the early church is operating from the same kind of vantage point and so when people believed they they went through this process and and so we have these words like confession and repentance and baptism and receiving the Holy Spirit, and th- those words may not be mentioned in the text, but we assume that they're mm-hmm. part of it because that's how the precedent was set. And, you know, you have this example in Acts 18 of Apollos, who was a spiritual man and, and a lover of God, and and he had he had not received baptism the way Paul had wanted him to, and so he submitted to that. He believed and then realized, oh, well, there's this baptism of repentance and salvation and receiving the Spirit, and so he does. And and so anyway, it's interesting. And then, you know, you have the thief on the cross as the only real example. Yeah. And it's a, it's, a bad, it's a bad example to use. Yeah. You know, so I think, I wonder if people are thinking through this and they read through Acts and they go, well, there's all these verses that people believe and they aren't, it doesn't say they're baptized. But, so anyway, I, I've, I've wondered that. I don't know what your question was, but yeah. that's, that's where my mind went yeah. because of this recent conversation I had with this guy. Yeah. I- anything you'd add there, Zing? Um, I mean, I just think when you look at, Peter's response in Acts 2, I mean, as they're kind of establishing the church, you see people that are cut to the heart and they're saying, okay, so how do we respond um, now that we kind of feel convicted about um, who we are and who Christ has called us to be? um, His response is repent and be baptized uh, for the forgiveness of your sins. And so it seems like as they're establishing kind of this, um, this is how you respond to Jesus, um, that that's just part of the natural response. Um, and, and obedience to him, like, I mean, obviously, like Scott just said, um, belief incorporates a whole bunch of things, but as the church is being established and people are beginning to respond um, to Jesus, I think that baptism is part of that early precedent. Yeah. Um, so Good, good. So let me, now I'm just going to kind of ask you to push close to this answer a little bit, but now I'm going to kind of ask for the answer uh, from somebody so then, does a person have to be baptized in order to be a Christian? If a person is not baptized, does that mean they are not a Christian? And I'm asking more than just saved, right? Let into heaven. But does a, is bad, that's obviously included. But um, can you be a Christian without being baptized? What is our, what's our answer when, when we get that question? I get that question all the time, so I don't know yeah. if you guys want me to answer yeah, this, but I get it. it all the time. Um, I, I love to point out that sometimes there can be something broken with a question. And going back to imagine, I love to use the, the, the marriage analogy. So imagine if somebody says, so what do I have to do in order to be married? Like, what do I have to do? Um, and then think about that, putting that in a context. So me and Andrea 
Um, I'm trying to woo this woman. I love this woman. And she says, hey, I think I'd like to get married. And I say to her, so what do I have to do in order to be your husband? Mm -hmm. Tell me what I have to do. And then every time she says something, my immediate response is, okay, so are you telling me that if I don't do that, well, then I'm not your husband? You're telling me if I don't come home every night that I'm not your husband? You're telling me if I'm if I don't actually help around the house that I can't be your husband. So you want and and it's a little bit of a there can be you know a wisdom in working through the process, but there can also be something dysfunctional yeah. in a reductionistic approach. Yeah, and I think that's the danger I, that I think exists with the question. Yeah, um, and that's why uh, if 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 I could if I could rephrase the question, I would say, what are the normal and what are the consistent pieces? that are involved in a Christ, uh, in, a, in a transformation where someone is becoming Christ-like. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of the way it's described yeah. uh, in the Bible, that it is, so we use the word around here all the time, is normative. Mm-hmm. What it is, it's normative that someone gets baptized. Yeah, And so even when I talk with people um, who have been, and I, you know, I'm not trying to be a stickler on this, but if we're, if we're going to kind of sort through the weeds, we need to be able to label... Hey, that's a weed and that's grass. So yeah. they both look green from a distance, but one's a weed and one's yeah. grass. So I love to point out that the, the the word baptism is a word that we made from the Greek word baptizo. Mm-hmm. And so now in our context, it, it just means, you know, well, you know, baptism, like uh, what, whatever ceremonial. you... Ceremonial. Yeah, ceremonial, blah, blah. They don't even yeah. have like a specific <clears throat> act. And so when you go back and what does baptizo mean, it means to immerse. Mm-hmm. So I, I would just say, hey, tell you what, let's just let's just use English words and to try to differentiate what we did. Yeah. I mean, did you say a prayer? Were you sprinkled by a by a by a priest? Um, were you immersed by someone into Christ? Like what what happened? Just tell me what happened to you. Yeah. And then once you do that, you can begin to realize that there are also historically different forms. And what happens is, is in the mind of each of us, we then begin to associate, this is what I thought my baptism was. It was yeah. this sprinkling. This is what I thought my, kind of my baptism in essence was when I gave my life to Jesus. All of these terms become synonymous. Mm-hmm. That's when it gets complicated. Yeah. And so um, I, I love to point out the problem with the concept of is this necessary or essential yeah. for salvation is I love to point out that, well, no, because I can think of instances where there aren't this, uh, there, there isn't baptism in the, in the Bible. There are instances where, and I have instances where I just believe that something happens to someone and, um, they either are a believer or they're too young to be a believer. And so to try to equate salvation or even justification uh-huh. with the act of baptism, um, I think is taking it a little too far. Yeah. Okay. But I, I want to go back and ask what is normative in the life of a believer. And it just seems to always fit the normative answer. And so there, there appear in the Bible to be exceptions in all of these places. Um, and so whether it's the thief on the cross or whether it's a child um, who is five days old who happens to pass away, um, it's not about, man, I want to offer consolus to the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, this child never was baptized. And, and you can even see why then sprinkling of infants became an important part of confirming um, uh, kind of the parent's salvation upon the child, kind of mm-hmm. this passing it down mentality. You can see where that came from and what they're even trying to accomplish. And I think it's kind of interesting, you know, historically speaking. Um, but I mean, if you were to ask me, you know, that's definitely not immersion. And do I believe that child is in heaven, i.e. saved? Yeah. Then the answer is yes. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that's the part where I think it gets really, really complicated and the question needs to be dissected a little bit and kind of sorted out before it can be answered. Yeah. I have issues with that question because it's, it seems like a minimalistic approach to things like you're describing and, and the, it's like, okay, salvation, getting to heaven is, is, is really all that counts. And so what do I got to do to do that? You know, that's what seemed like to me where it comes from. And I think Mm -hmm. there is some real, where it becomes real to me is when I'm having a conversation with a college student who was either sprinkled when they were little or baptized because their friends were baptized or baptized because it was Mother's Day. I've had several of those. Were never baptized, (laughs) grew up in a church where that wasn't even practiced. Yes, but, but grew up growing a church and appears to have a love for Christ and wants to live for him. And so, but you know, so all these different examples do, so do I need to do this? And that's where we get to like talk through it. And I think it's, it's a great conversation, but if it's just, what do I got to do? Yeah. You, then salvation is so much bigger than just getting into heaven. Yeah. And and I think it's fair to say the Bible never really answers that question. No, it doesn't. Like the Bible never, if the the Bible doesn't give us, it doesn't even come to us like that. It doesn't say, Hey, let me give you the list of five things you need to do in order to be justified before God. It doesn't do that. Um, uh, one of my, uh, heroes of the faith back in the day, brother Wilson used to always say, I can give you a number of different actions that appear to be linked to salvation. <laughs> yeah. And then he would say, but recognize that none of these things truly save you. Yeah. They, they, these things really don't justify you. And that's, that's actually true. When you look at the text and all these different letters written to different people in different circumstances, all dealing with issues of salvation, they come from a number of different angles in a number of different ways, answering a number of different questions where salvation is part of the discussion, but it's yeah. not exclusively it. And the problem is even with salvation, right? We, we talk about this all the time. You have to break down. Are you talking about the justification of the believer? Are you talking about the ongoing sanctification mm-hmm. of, of the believer or mm-hmm. the ultimate future the glorification, the finished, mm-hmm. the finished salvific act of mm-hmm. God? And so by the time you're done breaking this down, you really have a Bible that describes in the most situations, this is what happens. Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, fair to say if we were to kind of sum this, like there's not a there's not a verse that says you don't have to be baptized to be saved or you have to be baptized. There's there's nowhere where we can put our finger down and say this. Um but, but not we, without somebody else asking a very legitimate question. Like let me give you yeah, a, let me give you yeah. a good example, right? I can imagine someone right now listening who kind of grew up in our tradition, yeah, going, Well, wait a second, no, 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 they did answer that. Um, they asked Peter, what must we do to yeah, be saved? Yeah. And Peter said, repent and be baptized. So no, Drew, you're wrong. Yeah. Okay. But I would say to the person who's questioning you, um, you, you need to kind of take a look at the context. And as much as that is something that truly we need to deal with, it's one yeah, of the reasons totally. why we believe it's normative. Yeah. I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah. What do we do with those people who don't ask the question or don't know to ask the question? I mean, yeah. you, you really have to hold on to the context of each situation and look at how the entire Bible speaks about things. Yeah. And it's the, it's the um, arguments from what's not said that concerns me the most with this question about baptism and do I have to do it? And do you think I'm saved if I don't do it or not saved if I do it? I mean, all those ones. That's good. I have a question. Uh, Somebody coming from that perspective that baptism is a necessity, you know, from that perspective, which is in some sense our, our tradition a little bit. And they go to first Peter three. Oh yeah. There's another baptism, which corresponds to this now saves you not as a remover of the dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through resurrection of Jesus. So, uh, how do you how do you answer yeah. that one? 
I'll tell you, I, I so I grew up, I'll just say. Um, okay, Drew's moderating. I was and, supposed to be moderating, but I'll just say, man, I grew up in, in this restoration church movement where I, I had a much, a very strong view of baptism as, as very, very important and, and maybe I would even say essential to salvation. Sure. And then I found myself kind of moving away from that as I kind of grew up a little bit going, man, I don't know if it's that, you know, but I'll t- the more I look at God's word, the more I find myself being drawn back to at least say <laughs> it is really important. It is, we're talking Romans six this, this yeah, sure, Sunday and sure, Easter. Yes. And, and Paul just talks about, man, we are, we are baptized in order that like Jesus, we can be buried and then raised back like him, that we are baptized into a new life in order that we may walk in newness of life. Clothed with him. Yeah. And there's, I just, I cannot get around uh, that it is really important. And I think the question needs to be asked. Why I, I, when someone asks me like, do I have to be, I think one of the key questions I always want to ask is why wouldn't you want to be? Like that seems that seems odd to me that you would want to not be in light of all the New Testament says, not just as something you better do this, but as a beautiful thing that it is, the the identification of Jesus with his death and resurrection. You know? Well, and I'll tell you what I've experienced in ministry, and, and it's our goal here at Sunnybrook, is to get people in the book on their own, mm-hmm. right? So I, I, I love it when people are coming up to me and saying, hey, I was reading this, and I don't think you teach this right, or I don't mm-hmm. think, I don't know if our church is doing this right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love that. That just says, wow, okay, so the book is, and the Holy Spirit are convicting them. Um, and I love to ask people, so as you are growing in your faith and as you're using this book, what are you going to do with Romans 6 and mm-hmm. you've never been baptized? What are you mm-hmm. going to do with the Second Peter 3 text? What are you going to do with Acts 2.38? I mean, you're going to have to do something with that. Yeah. And so I love to point that out and just say, listen, mm-hmm. since since this book has led us to this conclusion— this is how we got here. Oh. And since this is the book you're wanting to use now more yeah. and more, you look at these scriptures and, um, I mean, I, I think you'll come to a natural conclusion. And again, here's, here's I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, what we would say here at Sunnybrook is that we believe baptism is a very real part of the normative experience. Yeah. Immersion is what we mean by yeah. baptism, yeah. that we believe that's a normative part of a Christian's experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this this leads then to a, another big question. We don't practice pedo baptism here, the the baptism of infants, because we believe that baptism is a conscious decision um, to place your allegiance towards Jesus, and so you got to be kind of old enough to do that. Mm-hmm. But because we place a lot of importance on it, because we believe it is so normative to the faith, then there are a lot of parents who ask this question. Well, then when do I do this with my kid? If this is that important, and I, I want my kid to be a part of this. I want them to be honest. How do I know? And I'm going to come to you first, Zane, since you, you Wait, work I wanna, with children's stuff. You're saying this because sweet little Ella <laughs> was baptized a little while ago. That's right. And you're still mildly freaked this out is, by the whole is, thing. This whole, I put this whole podcast together as a way to try and relieve some conscience. of the stress and yeah, my conscience. So what I need is comfort, fellas. <laughs> um, so here's, uh, but, but this is the question. How do you yeah. know when your kid is ready? And is, is, is there an age is, is five years old, old enough for, is that, is that too young? If, if it's too young, then it's six or is that, how do you know when my kid is ready to make that conscious decision to follow Jesus with their life. So, Zane, Um, here's the official answer from Sunnybrook Christian (laughs) Church. Zane? Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think one of the big things that you have to remember um, is that everybody's experience is going to be different. So for us to sit here and say, like, seven years old 
is the right age. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous um, to kind of put it into a box because I think people learn and grow and mature, obviously, at different rates. Um, a lot of that has to do with the household that you grow up in. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know, Ella has great parents. That's um, right, she does. <laughs> and, and so, She's a great I'm, mother. That's, 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 that's more that's true. Fair. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think you got to look at the context in which kids are growing up. I mean, is, is this relationship with Jesus something that's being modeled in the home all the time? Um, is this something that they're, they're not only going to hear about at church, but are they also going to see this lived out on a daily basis and, uh, at, at home, um, through their parents and some of these other things. And so, um, I think what we look for a lot of times, um, and seeing if kids are ready is looking for just the evidence of the Holy Spirit looking mm-hmm. in their working in their lives. And so, um, you know, when your kid sins, you know, are do they feel convicted about it? Mm-hmm. Um, or is it just another one of these things where it's like, ah, too bad I did that. See you later. Um, you know, do they do they honestly have this conviction that says, Man, I there's something wrong with me there and, and I need someone else to help make this right. Um you know, do they do they show signs of maturity of saying, okay, even though I have done this and I, I, I want to change and I want to not do that again, and so help mm-hmm. me. Um, and so I think you see a little bit of this progression of maturity in kids um, and a true interest in, in Christ. Um, and so, I mean, I think a, a lot of it is you look for the fruits of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. um, you know, l- being lived out in their lives. You know, are they people that are these little kids? Um, people that genuinely love, you know, do they show patience? Do they show self-control? Mm. Um, because all of those things are evidence of the Holy Spirit working in their lives and transforming their hearts to become more like Christ. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, I think that's a good indication. Um, yeah. And obviously all of those are going to come at different times. It's it's interesting. We've actually had this conversation um, with a lot of parents right now. Um, yeah. There's actually mm-hmm. a girl that I was supposed to have lunch with today at some point. Um, that's asking this question, you know, am I ready to be baptized? And it's, it's kind of hard when, you know, you don't live with them every day. And so, you know, I think this is also a a chance, right. I think it's also a chance for us to encourage parents, um, to really grab a hold of their spiritual responsibility to their kids, to be the spiritual leaders for them, um, and to encourage them to, to be intentional, to look and see, you know, how Christ is transforming and molding their lives, Mm. um, that's good, so, Scott. Yeah. I, actually, I want to ask you because you've uh, you baptized your oldest daughter, mm-hmm. Kylie. I, I don't want to say late, but a little bit later, eleven. And then, and then your two younger, your middle, Micah, mm-hmm. and then Trace, your youngest, at the same time. At what yep. ages were they? Micah was eleven. Trace was nine. Okay, okay. So actually, it was, it's around that time. Yeah. Uh, like what? What led to your? What questions were you asking when when you were thinking through those things? I was thinking as Zane was talking. <clears throat> what what I was convicted about with Kylie that God really put back on me was can you discern the spirit at work in her life which which was a complicated question that I that I had to go man well am I discerning the spirit in my life and <laughs> do I know how to discern the spirit I don't think we talk about that enough I don't think we expect <laughs> parents to be able to discern God's spirit moving in in someone's life and <laughs> so that was something that I was I was looking for like you said conviction of sin and instead of just yeah do you sin because i would ask kylie up until this point do you sin yeah how i don't know mm. but i know does mommy sin yeah daddy sin it's like she knew the answer she'd been in church her whole life she knew the answer to this question but mm. there i didn't see any like conviction and, and then when i saw her start to break over the way she treated her brother mm. and and i saw her really want god to help her with that 
And then, and then I saw her push to be baptized and I thought, okay, God's doing something mm-hmm. here. And then what you said about, okay, this isn't, you're on your own for the rest of your life, like this decision, then we get to, we get to live with, live with you yeah. throughout this. But that's what I was looking for was conviction of sin and, and God's a discern, like discerning the, the spirit's work in their life. And I, and I realized when I say that there are some parents that might go, I don't know what that is. Give me some boxes to check and I'll yeah. do it. And I think that's where we need the church. That's where we need small group leaders. That's where we need Zane. That's where we need other people that have gotten to know our kids and can sit down with them. And 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 we and as the parents are growing in their ability to discern the spirit at work in their life, they can begin to discern. Yeah, I benefited so much from when I was wrestling through all this stuff with Ella. You know, she was asking us to be baptized from. Um, maybe from her mother's womb. I think I could hear it. <laughs> I think I could hear her when I, whenever I put my ear down there. Was her saying, hand can I, the first thing? Can I be baptized? Yeah. So I literally, see that for, hand, for, I see that hand, Ella. It's but delicious. I, you know, I, I really did benefit from <clears throat> asking guys like Scott and Jim and Paul and Julie Weiss and people who have been there, like, how did you process through this? How did you see this and and i'll actually to go back to ella asking a lot that's a i think that's one at least simple thing is have they asked you like more than once because a lot of times kids will see other kids taking communion or see somebody get baptized and be like yeah can i i want to do that and then if you (laughs) and it's it's good to kind of talk with them about that and then i just kind of let it go for a little bit and see if that's um ever gonna if they're ever gonna bring that up again or if it was just kind of a thought that ran through their head and and if they continue to come back to you with questions that's always a good sign too so well, and I think you know one of the things that it's, it's important for us to to look at is that we're we're dealing with something that maybe the Bible doesn't address specifically, which is what do believers do with their now believing young children? Mm-hmm. You know, like that's not Sergius Paulus, that's not um, the people in the Book of Acts chapter two with the preaching on the day of Pentecost. Like the majority, it's not the Philippian jailer, it's not Lydia at the river. So you have none of the instances where what we're actually dealing with is, hey, Paul, what do I do with an eight-year-old daughter who is now wanting to make the same commitment that I made five years ago or 20 Mm -hmm, years ago? And so now we have to theologize through it now. And this is what the church did, right, 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 wrong or indifferent. That's when they said, okay, so that's why we sprinkle our children. So that's, this is what we do Mm -hmm. as kind of an act with a, with now the second generation of believers, the young children. And that's what they're, that's what the church is trying to do. Agree or disagree. That's what they're trying to do. And that's what we're trying to do still. And I think it's important to realize that we just need to make sure that as we try to follow the New Testament pattern, that we can also recognize kind of the deep theological truths, which will then guide our um, kind of our new uh, orthopraxy, our new way yeah. of living out our faith yeah. in such a way. Because that's a that's a tough question. If you think about it, um, you know, Andrew and I had to wrestle with this. Uh, our boys around the age of eight or so began to become obsessed with this question. And I remember there was a professor at Ozark, I think it was Tom Lawson, who used to always say, so wait a second here, the government doesn't believe your kid can drive, but you believe they're able, you know, 16, right? Yeah. But you believe they're able to make a decision regarding the eternal destiny of their soul, but they can't drive a car. And I remember that question convicting me at first mm-hmm. and going, wow, that, that does sound kind of crazy, doesn't it? Like the government won't let them drive a car, but you'll let them make an eternal decision on the direction of their soul. So how do you, you know, that's, that's, and that's a question that still rumbles around in my brain. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I don't know if we have time to answer that question, but yeah. I'll at least try to make you nervous with it. I, I, I sat in class with Tom Lawson getting nervous about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, even thrown into that, the Philippian jailer 
is I've I've heard a Catholic yes. priest use that example as this is why we do it because yes. he clearly went home and just baptized everybody in his family and it was a him and his whole household yeah it was his yeah. whole household and so I guess he's assuming there are infants and there are you know I I don't know but well there's arguments on both sides yeah I mean the truth exactly. is is that depend whatever you want to believe you can, you can find believe. it in the text sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um so here's kind of you mentioned a while ago Scott that you have a number of conversations and I have two with college students who maybe were sprinkled when they were a kid or or got baptized, but they, they truthfully don't even remember it. They were four or five. They just did it to, like you said, make mom happy, or they maybe just raised their hand at camp one day and, yeah. and got dunked in the camp pool. And so so here's kind of the my, my last big question is, should a person ever be re-baptized? What do you say to that student? And, and we'll say this, it's not just college students. We're having 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds and 60-year-olds come say, man, I I think I maybe was sprinkled when I was a kid, or I, I think I was baptized. It's kind of hard to remember, or I was, but I don't. I didn't know what I was doing. So, um, would you ever rebaptize a person? Is there is there space to to do that? Is is that kind of what we believe you should do at our church? Yeah, I'll answer. It. I mean, my answer is yes and no. I mean, because so the questions I ask is: Was there a conviction of sin? Was there a, was there a was there a recognition of God? calling you to do this at that time you know like I remember at 11 for me I remember this very clearly I I needed to do this but then I also went through high school where I completely (laughs) turned my back on God and I put him on the back burner Mm -hmm. and so I think what some people are going oh I come to college and now I'm making my faith my own and it's really just it's just sanctification that's taking place and so I'll talk through that and then, and then I'll ask, well, but at the same time, if you continue to feel every time someone's baptized or every time that's mentioned, you feel a, a move of the Spirit, you feel God saying that you need to do that, then, I mean, how many times have you been dunked? How many times have you been immersed? And so, like, this can be something that is, so I, I have, a, I don't know, I, ha, I don't, I, I'm curious what you, how you guys answer it because, because on one hand, I want to say, you don't have to do this if you were baptized and you knew what you were doing. Obviously, if you didn't know what you're doing, then then I think it's an important decision to make. But if you knew what you're doing and you just backslid, and now you're coming back, and you're in college, and your eyes are open to all these things, and you're like, "Yeah, I want to, I want to live my life for Jesus now." Um, I don't know if you have to do it, but but maybe, maybe you do. Yeah. So that's kind of how I yeah. approach it. I just want it one case by case. It depends on the person. Yeah, Zane. What what about you? Like, what do you what do you kind of recommend in in those kind of situations? Um. I mean, I'm kind of like Scott, where it kind of depends on the person. Um, my One of my best friends actually just went through this, um, called me a couple months ago and said, hey, I'm thinking about getting rebaptized." And I mean, to me, it was a little bit of just kind of this question of like, ah, did you believe like that the first time didn't work or something yeah, like right. that? And I kind of had this conversation with him um, that I, I don't believe that because um, like because you failed, that means Jesus failed at mm-hmm. your first baptism. Um, that's a good point. But I think like, like Scott said, is that, you know, and this even goes back to the kid question a little bit that like we grow in our sanctification, like we grow Mm -hmm. to look more like Jesus each and every day. And so sometimes that's a process, you know, when you go through the R and B cycle, there's times that we, we grab a hold of that Kairos moment and we do understand that Jesus is calling us to change, um, and to be someone new. Um, but there's other times where we just blow completely by that mm-hmm. and miss it, and that ends up with us not looking so much like Jesus. And so, 
um, I kind of just went back with my friend and kind of said, so in all of these moments where you feel like you've missed it, I, I don't think that Jesus has been absent in those situations. Mm-hmm. I think he's still working and I think he's still making you look more like him. Um, I think he ended up actually getting rebaptized, but mm-hmm. for me, I always just kind of had that question bouncing around in my head, like, well, your failure doesn't mean that Jesus failed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of where I've landed with it a little bit. Yeah. But again, I mean, I'm sure there's other things that I haven't considered. I'll, so. I'll caution against whether or not someone's chasing for an experience. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a I don't I even tell them like listen that's not a bad thing God designed us to want these pivotal and monumental experiences mm-hmm. in our lives so you don't need to feel bad about that um, but I've seen it become somewhat um, increasingly anticlimactic so I think about people that I'm mm-hmm. helping through marital difficulties and you know what we need to do now that we've got this new understanding of our marriage we need to have kind of like we need to do our vows again yeah and what's interesting is it is not uncommon that when they've gone through a trauma and then they do their vows like it's crazy predictable two to three months after that there's like this huge mistake or a series of mistakes Mm -hmm. because they're they're looking for something other than Mm -hmm. the reality of Mm -hmm. the marriage so they're trying to get an experience of marriage not just the truth that they're married Mm -hmm. and so i like how scott and i like how you described uh, saying you described um christ didn't fail and i love what scott is 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 going after i'm going after the same thing um i i would even try to say to the best of my ability i try to never baptize someone again Mm. if someone has gotten wet (laughs) if someone has mistakenly been been dunked if i could say describe yeah. the difference between dunking and immersion mm-hmm. um i'll i'll, I'll immerse yeah. them if they've never really been immersed yeah um that that would be the bigger thing that i would do and and i love to i love to go back and i love to use the specific words i love to give people i have a, a kind of a printout on my computer of how the bible describes immersion Mm. And I just give it to people who've been sprinkled or I give it to people and I just say, did you understand? Like, tell me where you were at with this. If you've done this, yeah. we don't need to do it. But there might be something we do need to do to pray together or to maybe to kind of share your conviction or your renewed conviction with some key people in your life or mm. something like that to repent. I mean, I think one of the things that maybe there an issue here is since we've removed the idea of confession of sin with other believers, mm. I've wondered sometimes with the rebaptism thing if we would be able to take care of that with a confession of sin and a rededication of allegiance mm. to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I've wondered sometimes if that's not the problem. In the end, the only way I know how to declare to, this, to declare and, uh, this again is to get baptized yeah. again. And so I've really tried to clear that up. Mm. Yeah. And the other thing I did as a parent is I just always spent time. My boys were all baptized. I'm going to guess. Oh, Andrew will be mad if, uh, if she finds out I is she listening to this? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Well, we'll find out. Okay, here we go. Um, but anyway, I just uh, my boys. I think got baptized around eight. If I remember right. They're all around the eight nine age. Uh, I, I remember just believing that I needed to remind them of their baptism regularly. Mm-hmm. And I've asked my kids who are now in their uh, early twenties. I've asked them all, like, have you ever wondered, like, whether or not you were too young and Although some of them I say, I don't, I didn't understand what I was doing. I knew enough of what I was doing. Mm. I didn't understand all the implications. And I love to point out, oh, like marriage or, oh, like having kids. Yeah. <laughs> so in answer to Tom Lawson's question, maybe what the person is doing when they're giving to life to Christ is different than driving a car. Mm. And so 
I've tried to, and Matt Proctor, the president of Ozark, really helped me see this, is that as a parent, my job was to continually remind them mm. of their uh, declaration, of their swearing of allegiance to Christ, of their death in Christ and raised to walk a new life, of the Holy Spirit living in them. Um, and in that instance, Andrea and I believe we did the best that we could with the information that we had, baptizing them when they did, to avoid them wanting to redo this when they enter into your and Scott's college ministry. I've uh, I, I've learned to to think this way a little bit about baptism, that A, I have this role to remind my kids of that. I have yeah. this role to remind Ella of her baptism and take her back that. But also for myself to every time there's a baptism at Sunnybrook oh, yes. in the service, to to let that be a reminder of what God has done and is doing in me and to let that be kind of a my own little miniature renewal of my allegiance yes. and commitment to God there to say, yes, this this is my reality. What I'm watching up there is the reality of my new resurrected life in you, and I'm still committed to that. I'm still wanting to live that out. And, and I think we should do that at communion. Yeah. I mean, think of it. There's a lot of key points in our lives when we can stop and reflect on what our baptism means, which is our being clothed with Christ, us taking on, um, you know, his righteousness, mm-hmm. the forgiveness of our sins. Um, anyway, all of these things are mentioned in Scripture, and uh, that's the reason why we care so much about it. Yeah. And all of these things are always best to be worked out in community, to to talk to brothers and sisters about this. And so we would encourage you, if you're thinking for yourself, if you're thinking for your kids, um, talk this over with with other brothers and sisters you have. We are we are always more than happy to talk through those things with you. Um, that's it for today, and until next time.